Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at KFUO.org. Welcome to Concord Matters, where we gather as a uh, camaraderie of Christ-confessing Concordians. Uh, Today I am sitting in for just a few minutes for Pastor Sean Smith, the host of this program of Concord Matters. I am Pastor Peter Ill from Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt, Illinois. With me today uh, to make up our slate of Christ-confessing Concordians is uh, Peter Slayton, who does the social media stuff for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Stuff, I like that. Uh, the true story is I can't remember your title. <laughs> That's okay. And so I was the title is not important. Okay. Anyways, he he handles the he handles the internet uh, <laughs> for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Uh, Pastor Sean Smith will be joining us. He got a little bit uh, uh, tied up with some traffic on his way from Southern Illinois, and he will be arriving and jumping in with us uh, to discuss the Book of Concord and today to get to discuss the church. Uh, that is what we're taking up here in the small called Articles Part Three, Section. Uh, 12. And as we get into this particular article of the Smalled Cold Articles, we remember that the Smalled Cold Articles is divided into three sections. First is the identity of who God is and who Jesus is. Second are core doctrines of the church. And the third part, which we are in today, talks about those things in the church where the Lutherans uh, and the Roman Catholics had points of disagreement. And one of the things that the Lutherans and the Roman Catholic Church had a disagreement about was what the church is and why it exists and what it does. Well, I found it interesting that we're just now getting to the church as Article 12 um, in Part 3 when the Augsburg Confession had the church right up there as Article 7. You got to it very quickly, so it'll be interesting as we probably go back and forth between those a little bit today and how how was it defined at the beginning of the Lutheran Reformation, if I can use that term, fifteen thirty, and now here we are, at ten years later ish. Not quite ten. Not years quite later. ten years, and here's what Luther is discussing in his essentially his last will and testament, which we've we've kind of talked about that as well. And there there are some differences, mainly in what gets included or excluded after the initial definition, which is pretty much the same. So kind of interesting to see Luther talking about different things, because different things are important here a few years later. And here, Pastor Luther has no problem showing the differences between the Lutheran Reformers and the Roman Catholic opponents of the Lutheran Reformation. And so I think without any further ado, we will go ahead and read this article. It's fairly short, uh, just one paragraph long, two sentences, I think. And uh, this is uh, in Concordia, the... Lutheran Confessions, the Reader's Edition, published by Concordia Publishing House. This is on page 283. Once again, that is small called Articles, Section 3, Article 12, on the Church. We do not agree with them that they are the Church. They are not the Church. Nor will we listen to those things that, under the name of Church, 
they command or forbid. Thank God, today a seven-year-old child knows what the church is, namely, the holy believers and lambs who hear the voice of their shepherd. For the children pray, I believe in one holy Christian church. This holiness does not come from the albs, tonsures, long gowns, and other ceremonies that they made up without holy scripture, but from God's word and true faith. And there ends the article. <laughs> That's it. That, that is what we are talking about today. Seems like very little for something as big as the church. And I think that part of that has to do with the fact that Luther is writing and saying the Roman Catholic Church as an institution is saying that they have a corner on the market and they have a corner on the term church by which they are saying the Lutherans aren't being church. Yeah, I think it's important to note here, um, if you're not reading along, you can only hear us. The church, as it's used in this article, is capital C church. So when Luther is saying that the Roman Catholics are not the church, what he's saying is, like you said, they don't have a not monopoly. They're not exclusively the church because that was, I, I think it had been said before that, but it even continues to a certain degree this day that they will say that anybody who is not a member of the Roman Catholic Church is not actually in the church at all. And that was officially said in uh, the years right around 1550 at the Council of Trent, mm -hmm. and which would have been about, uh, oh, 12 to 15 years after the Smaltkald articles were written. Uh, but those articles of the Council of Trent still stand. And in in modern Roman Catholic discussions, there's there's still quite a bit of conversation about that issue. I'm going to leave that to their theologians yeah. <laughs> and not wade into it. But from, from the perspective of Scripture, what is the church? Well, it's people gathered around God's word. God's people gathered around God's word. Like lambs. Like lambs. <laughs> Sheep. It's a very pastoral yeah. <laughs> theme uh, here. And I forgot to mention that quote is from John chapter 10 about uh, the holy believers and the lambs who hear the voice of their shepherd is an allusion to John 10 where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And we do indeed hold that Jesus is the good shepherd of the church and... We talk about the church as being where preachers and hearers gather together, where God's word is taught and proclaimed. And so, what are the limits on the church? If it's not the Roman Catholic Church or people who have their allegiance under uh, the Roman Catholic Pope, then what makes up the church? I think it's interesting as I'm turning back to Article 7 in the Augsburg Confession. I referenced it before and I was like, wait... Where did I get my definition that I used? Because it wasn't actually in the small called articles in those words. So I went back, did I get that from Article 7? And it's not in Article 7 either. Article 7 is even more basic where it says, strictly speaking, this is how it starts, the church is the congregation of saints and true believers. And that's it. It actually doesn't mention gathering and God's word. And so... And I think this is a good question for us to wrestle with because these two definitions of the church that are used are actually quite broad. Um, and I know we, as humans, we want, to, we want to narrow things and get very specific so that we know when we're inside the lines and when we're outside the lines. And sometimes for the wrong reason so that we can point at those people are outside the lines. We want to make sure that we can clearly label them as outside. And so 
this article with how Luther defines it here, with how Melanchthon and the princes defined it earlier on, is actually quite broad. And I can I can imagine <laughs> that somebody is driving, listening to us, listening to this definition of church, and they are probably leaving fingerprints in the steering wheel because yeah. <laughs> this this is broad enough that it might even make us uncomfortable. The church is those who hear the voice of their shepherd. Well, now, wait a minute. It doesn't say anything about correct doctrine. It doesn't say anything about word and sacraments. It doesn't say anything about, well, a lot of things. It doesn't say anything about a congregation or voters meetings or any of the things that we so quickly identify as being churchy. There's yeah. nothing about organs, nothing about uh, bands, nothing about music, nothing. There's there's very, very little here, which continues to drive us back to that question. <laughs> what is the church and uh, where does the church get her authority? And, and I think this is why I this conversation has happened it continues to happen all over the place in all sorts of circles. You don't have to be Lutheran to have this conversation on the Internet or on YouTube or wherever it is you're having it. And one of the things that I have started to think about recently as, as a mental exercise, if you will, because of the tendency to want to draw clear dividing lines as this is church and this isn't and what we include and what we exclude, many of the things we include and exclude well, many things we include are, are good things. So let's let's say that right off the bat, that there are many things that are good things that aren't necessarily the essence of this is what church is. And as a missionary kid, having grown up in Africa, one of the things I come back to as a good mental exercise is whatever we say the church is, you have to be able to do that or be that out under a tree in Africa with no paraphernalia, no building, no nothing whatsoever, because that is the situation that many churches there find themselves in. You, there is no money for a building. There's no location for a building, maybe. There's no way to gather the, in some of those cases, such large groups of people are gathering for a church that there isn't a building that can fit them. But whatever it is you're doing, you have to be able to do it outside, under a tree, with with no building, Maybe you don't have pews, you don't have chairs. There's there's nothing that we would physically associate with church here in the U.S. or in the Western world, you could say as well. Your definition of church has to be able to fit there and here. Uh, it's the same argument we often make with uh, prosperity gospel kind of things. You know, the Joel Osteen gets picked on a lot for for this sort of thing. That whatever Joel Osteen preaches has has to be equally applicable to the orphan in Africa who is starving, if he's calling it God's word and the gospel, as it is to us here. Uh, so when he talks about naming and claiming, you know, your blessings and your prosperity, and if you have enough faith, then you'll get these things that you want. If you can't preach that in Africa to the, to the poor individual who has nothing and is perhaps starving, it's not God's word. It's not scripture. So I kind of take that same principle and say, okay, if you can't do church, have church, your definition of church doesn't fit in that context. Perhaps what you've included in your definition of church includes too many things as, as essential to church, um, or it's included the wrong things as essential to church. All right, push back on that, because <laughs> does that work? Does that not work? I, I think that works, but I... 
I, I think we might have missed a gear as we were Ooh, as yeah. we were getting into this. Because in part, we want to say, as as people, we want to say, now wait a minute, if I'm looking for the church, if I'm looking for those places where Jesus the Good Shepherd speaks and his lambs are listening to him, where do I go to find it? Mm. And so I think that this leads to the question of, is the church something that you can see or is it not something that you can see? To which we get to smile and say, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, and that's and that that question has many implications because we're doing this radio show out on radio waves where you can hear the shepherd in in a sense. I live my life on the internet where there are many ways in which you can hear the shepherd if we're going to go with that. And yet I wouldn't call any of these things church. What we're doing here isn't church. The things I engage in on the internet with our social media isn't church, so. <laughs> and that's exactly where uh, we come to this idea of, at the same time, the church is something that is seen, and it is, mm -hmm. at the same time, not something that is seen. Uh, the church are those lambs who are gathered together, uh, and the kind of the classical terms that we use are we talk about the visible church and the invisible church. Yeah. And so we would say that all who hear the voice of their shepherd and believe in him are part of Christ's church. Now, are there places where Christ's church gathers where there are people who are listening as Christ's lambs and there are people who are speaking as under shepherds of the good shepherd where his word is being proclaimed his sacraments are being administered and we say oh look there is Jesus speaking to his people through pastors and his his people as the, as Jesus lambs are hearing his voice well, sure, we see those places. Sometimes they are churches made out of brick or wood uh, with crosses on the steeples. Sometimes they have pulpits or lecterns or organs or bands. Sometimes they are under a tree in Africa or in a pavilion in India or in lots of different places. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about the church as a building or the church as an incorporation or the church as a formal body of voters, uh, like in a voters meeting, but the church is ultimately those who preach and those who hear. Uh, preachers and hearers where Jesus speaks to his people as to his own lambs. I think this is where the Augsburg Confession, Article 7, is, is helpful in this distinction between visible church and invisible church, that terminology used, which or just a little bit ago, I took that in a completely different direction and, and defined it very differently, not the way we intended. When we hear visible and invisible church, those are actual technical theological terms, which I did not. <laughs> when I talked about the Internet and that not being church, I wasn't like that could I think a lot of people could hear that and think, oh, that's kind of like the invisible church. But the visible church is the building. That's not what we're saying at all. That's not what you were defining. This is where Article 7 in the Augsburg Confession says the church, it's the congregation and the true believers. This is where the visible and invisible comes into play because in that visible gathering, whether it's a building or under a tree, there there is a there is this thing that looks like church. There are, there are people gathered hearing God's word, listening to the shepherd speak to them. And yet in that gathering, 
perhaps not all of them are actual true believers. And that the 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 that side of it is the invisible side. And it's actually very important for us to recognize that it's invisible, meaning that we can't see it. We can't tell the difference. We cannot determine, we cannot judge looking at this visible gathering of the saints together, which ones aren't actually saints. So remembering that invisible means we can't actually judge who's in and who's out in this physical gathering, even if we look at some and say, I don't know if that guy's actually in because they're doing some stuff that I don't think they should be doing. Remember, it's invisible still <laughs> to us. <laughs> and and that means that as much as we might want to look at someone else and say, I'm pretty sure that even though this person comes to church every Sunday, I'm pretty sure they're not a Christian. Uh, or, well, that person might not come to church very often, but I'm pretty sure they are a Christian. That's not our call to make. Mm -hmm. And it's not our place to say that they are in or out, but simply to... Uh, to be consistent in our own hearing of the word, uh, to expect those who speak uh, by Jesus' command, uh, especially pastors, to do so faithfully to the word of Holy Scripture and faithful to the way that Jesus has called them to speak these things. And then finally, to get to the point of saying, well, wait a minute, if we have a visible church with a building and stuff where people gather... And not everybody is part of that invisible church, even though there is something that we can see. Then what role does, uh, say, the conversations that happen uh, on the Internet or the conversations that happen here on KFUO or those other things that you said before aren't church? Well, what relationship do these things have to do with things that are <laughs> church? How does that fit in? Yeah, and what if it's my pastor who is talking in those other groups and in church He's, he's my pastor. He speaks God's word to me, but on, on the internet, because that's not church, but he's still my pastor and I'm interacting with him. It's, it's just made this more confusing. I, before I, before I try and answer that question, I want to talk a little bit about what Luther said, because he kind of gets at that too, where he says, look, this is so simple, as you read, that even a seven year old child knows what the church is. Um, in today's internet speak, um, Pastor Ill, as you found out, <laughs> I used I used a hashtag. I don't do very well at internet. <laughs> yes, uh, hashtag ELI5 is, is the one for this. And if you spend any time on Reddit, which is a website, um, it's, it's, I think it's still known as the front page of the internet. I believe that's still, I haven't actually been to the front page of Reddit to see if they still have that as their thing. I spend all my time when I'm on Reddit in other places. But... This is one of their categories, their hashtags that is extremely popular there. ELI5 means explain it like I'm five. Like if you can't explain this thing that you're do you're talking about as if I'm a five-year-old so that I can actually understand it, then I don't, you know, maybe you don't actually understand it well yourself. I kind of feel like I'm stumbling through that right now. You know, Luther says, look, this is so simple. A seven-year-old could do it. And we've gone 15, 20 minutes here talking through and I'm still... I still don't know if I've clearly understood or defined, look, this is the essence of what the church is. Even though we have such clear statements here to say, look, here's what it is, my mind is still running in circles like, well, okay, but what actually is it? And 
back in Luther's day of something a seven-year-old can understand. Now it needs to be something a five-year-old can understand. <laughs> and this is the thing about our understanding of the church. It is not something that is terribly complicated. At the same time, that doesn't make it easy to understand. Yeah. It is very simple. This is The church is Christ's lambs gathered together to hear his word. That's exactly what the church is. But as people, we want more definitions, more distinctions, more rules, more clarifications. And so we tend to look at such a simple answer and want to push back at it and say, wait a minute, I need some things that I can see and know. I need to know that I'm on the right track as I do church. Because in part, there's always a temptation for Christians to use the church to justify themselves and to use the church to say, oh, I know I'm on the right track because I'm part of the church. And it is possible to take your eyes off of Jesus and put your confidence and your hope on your church membership, whatever that might mean to mm-hmm. you. And our focus as Christians is always to be fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and not to be focused on the church itself. We don't get so caught up with the other Christians that we go to church with, the gifts that we receive, or the the other things that are going on in the church. Instead, we simply say, we are gathered together under Christ, because it is Christ that calls together his church. And without Christ, the head, there can be no body known as the church, to use that uh, metaphor used in uh, the book of Ephesians. So it sounds like what you're saying, and th- this is where I'm trying, I'm now trying to think of, of exceptions to what I'm about to say, to see if this is actually a good rule for figuring this out but when we add anything else to this basic definition that's been given to us almost anything else we would add would put the focus on ourselves or on us or like you said justifying ourselves and and take the focus off of christ which we've talked about this so much here that that okay we don't want to do that that's bad so any tendency to add anything to this particular definition of church also brings with it the risk or the reality that you're adding something that's going to take the focus off of Christ. Even if it's, so this is where I'm trying to think through, okay, but what if I add the sacraments to this? Am I adding that because I'm actually adding Jesus or I'm adding it because I want to make sure that I'm taking them properly and I'm receiving them and I'm doing that. And Pastor Sean has finally joined us in, um, here in studio. This is awesome. So he's going to jump in at any point here, and it'll be great. But just so our listeners aren't confused when he suddenly starts talking, he made it. This is the danger of having, what, like two bridges that you can go over the river and that's it? Welcome to Concord Matters, the show where... Oh, have you guys already done <laughs> yeah, that? we did that part. We did that part, but feel <laughs> free to do it again. And stuff. It, it, yeah. is, it is a whole experience. To watch a tractor trailer flip over in front of you. Well, you actually saw it happen. Yeah, on a country road, and uh, wow, and, and you just are whoa, <laughs> you know. Oh man! Uh, but then you know, so so it, it it loads up lots of questions for me now that uh, um, I'm here. So I got out, checked on folks to see if they're okay, so Excellent. forth. Um, there were some some injuries there, but. Uh, uh, thankfully, at least it looks like nothing life-threatening and so forth. Um, I shared some scripture and gave a blessing. Was that church? 
based on the definition that I heard you guys so nobly talking about I, as I was still trying to make my way here. I would assume not. I, mm. I wouldn't think what, so. I mean, was the voice of the shepherd not communicated? Well, yeah, but are you God's people gathered? I mean, it. it I don't know who wherever those two or people, three are gathered in His name. Because I don't know who those people were and what their confession was and all that. That's a good question. But, but see, now I'm digging see, into the visible yeah. and invisible. What am and, I doing? And now you're adding in, yeah, right. Yep. You know, several <laughs> of your own qualifications of, you know, well, we have to have that right confession there and yeah. everything else, right? Were you under a tree? If you were under a tree, I think you were okay. Yeah, I heard that bit about earlier. Africa and so forth. <laughs> and and it makes me think of exactly what we heard here uh, in terms of it. it it's it's not the um, the uh, I should find these words. and tonsures and cinchers and stuff. Alves and tonsures and cinchers. Mm-hmm. You know the the garments that we wear and things like that. Um, I, I think you're right on target in terms of uh, you know your your thought experiment. You said in terms of thinking, you know, can can this work out in Africa or so forth? Which I might actually flip it around and say, since they're starting to send missionaries here to the United yeah. States, you know, uh, <laughs> rightfully maybe, so in many cases. Uh, you know, yeah. How do we define church? How do we wrestle with this? Um, and and here I think the immediate context of what Luther is writing to um, is is really helpful for us here because. Because the Roman Catholic Church had come to define the church by these very strict measures. It's about the outward, mm-hmm. external things. And maybe you guys were talking about this in the few minutes it took me to walk from the car into the... We hadn't that's a long yet. walk here at the International <laughs> really Center, is. by the way. And so Especially I, I, if I, the swans yeah. are out and attacking. You know, if you're identifying the church by these external things that you see, right, what happens when they're not there? Yeah. Right? What happens when you're on the side of a road, you know? It, yeah, it, you know, how, how do we define church? I, I think this is something that, that deserves uh, some more thorough conversation. I really appreciated everything that you guys, I, I should just like show up late and let you guys get us started <laughs> more often. Um, and then I'll make my job easier. However, we do need to take a break, though, which is maybe helpful for me to kind of catch my breath as I, as I run in here. Okay, so, what did uh, you guys do? Uh, please join us right after this uh, break. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for... Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall thy word be that goes out from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The Prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Isaac Newton was recognized as one of the most brilliant scientists of all time. He greatly advanced human understanding of planetary motion, gravity, the speed of sound, and the color spectrum. An inventor of calculus and the telescope, Newton still made time to study biblical architecture and chronology. It's not commonly known that Newton studied Hebrew and even sought to calculate when the end of days would occur. Newton saw the Temple of Solomon as a model of the universe with a raised altar representing the sun, also asserting the temple would serve as the site of revelation for the apocalypse and would be rebuilt at the onset of the millennial kingdom as described in detail in the book of Ezekiel. Isaac Newton, man of science and biblical scholar. Engage with the Bible, this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to Concord Matters with your cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians. Not that's the word. That's the one. Whatever else that Pastor Hill did in my absence <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the show. But uh, yes, you our cohort. Substitute host. Our really cohort. You no, you you did an excellent job. Thank you very much for filling in while I was delayed. Uh, and uh, also prayers uh, for that accident that uh, I saw and those uh, affected by it. But um, thank thank goodness, it looks like nothing serious. Anyway, our cohort of Christ Confessing. Concordians, layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Peter Ill, and myself, your host, who has returned, Pastor Sean Smith. All right, so great discussion here. You guys were, were doing a bang-up job, and uh, I kind of just want to sit here and just listen some more. Uh, however, I kind of do have I've a job I've run out to do. of all good things to say. I use them up in the first half. It's all you, Pastor Smith. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But uh, on this, uh, so, so we're taking a look at the small called articles, part three, article whatever it is. 12, right? 12. Yeah. Sorry, I yes. have to look at these things. X My mind needs I, to I. Oh, that's 12. Yeah. 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 I should be able to do that faster. Anyway, yeah, we're on Article 12, the church. And and, and this... So I was going to start out the show this way, right? Great. Um, so I, I actually kind of did the nerdy thing and kind of counted things up. And about 30 times already in the small called articles, Martin Luther... Because I heard you mentioning uh, while I was delayed... That, uh, you know, it's, it's ironic that the Augsburg Confession deals with this much earlier. Mm -hmm. And then here we are in Article 12 of Part 3 of all things, right? <laughs> and, and, and we haven't gotten there, right? Um, however, he, he has mentioned the church about 30 times. And, and now he kind of comes to this definition, although it's still not a great definition in some, <laughs> some respects, right? Although, I think it's quite genius what he does here, right? Uh, you know, he, he kind of shames them and he says, you know, even, even the children, even a seven-year-old knows what this is. And, and what does he do? He, he takes them back to the catechism, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the creed. And oh, by the way, that's that's the first part of the small called articles. He has addressed this already, actually, hmm. right? He says, even the children are taught to pray. I believe in one holy Christian church. That's what we confess in the creeds, right? And, and, and especially the, the two we use the most often, uh, the, the Nicene and the, the Apostles. Um, and so, you know, he, he's here identifying for us, look, this is the church, and this is a natural outflow in terms of what we have in the progression here of especially part three. And I've been highlighting this uh, here on the show um, just because I think it's important for this to stay in our mindset in terms of progression. But all the way back in Article 4 here of part three, we have the gospel, and then it comes to us via via different means of grace. And he lays those out. Baptism, sacrament of the altar, right? Keys and confession. We mm-hmm. have absolution. Uh, he also lists in there mutual conversation of the brethren, which, oh, by the way, maybe we're getting to here now, <laughs> right? Uh, in terms of uh, what we're talking about with the church, right? Excommunication fits in with what we have there going on with the, the, the keys and confession, right? Ordination and the call, the gathering of the office of holy ministry, and then this issue about marriage of the priests. And, and now he gets to the church and he identifies it here. And we're almost at the end. I mean, we'll, we'll be out of the small called articles within a few weeks here, maybe if we ever wrap up this conversation <laughs> but but keeping in mind this progression what what he's doing is he's building his case here to say right you know look roman catholics you are defining things by external means right who, who can be in the office of holy ministry well he can only be single right uh and and, and well he has to have us lay hands on him in order to exactly right in terms of yeah. the call right sure. um because i did i did i skip that one talking about no that that that's under yeah ordination yeah, was, in the call ordination, yeah. I, I i didn't i didn't actually highlight it as i gave the progression that's fine yeah it's at the bottom of the page here in the reader's edition i just didn't see it but anyway yeah so ordination in the call so right you know it, it's these you know we have to look for these things but what he does is he brings us back, I think quite beautifully so, to, you know, what is the church? It, it's those who are gathered to hear God's word proclaimed to them, mm-hmm. right? That, that's its foundation. It's, it's not by these external things that you look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's the church, right? Now, these external things, the albs, the censures, the tonsures, things like that, you know, the garments, um, you know, we had the discussion in the first half, you guys had the discussion in the first <laughs> half, uh, you know, about, you know, the thought experience experiment and so forth, you know, can this happen out underneath the tree in Africa and so forth? You know, I think these external things are important. And, and if you take the whole context of the Book of Concord, let alone the small called articles, mm-hmm. Martin Luther and the Lutheran reformers would not be making the point that they have no place or you know that they need to be done away with that would be another group of reformers right (laughs) um you know so they're not saying that these things don't have a place in the discussion but where you begin is where you're going to go right and so we got to get the basis the foundation right because Mm -hmm. as jesus himself says about himself right if you don't have the chief cornerstone right Right. everything else is going to fall down around it right and so i think he's just laying a simple base look this is this is where we start uh and and the roman catholics you're not starting there this thus this is an error and we got to address that error you can't build a house on an alb yeah uh, speaking is of that our show I title to I that know, might yeah. be uh, <laughs> But I think that uh, it's helpful to break down some of these words because you might be listening along with us and thinking, this all and tonsure and cincture and stuff, what in the world is that? 
these things that are mentioned here, um, an alb is the white vestment. That's kind of the base vestment for, uh, especially for the divine service. What's uh, a vestment? Uh, it's the uh, flowing clothes. <laughs> We're still that, using jargon. Sorry, it is. Uh, <laughs> These are the uh, the things that cover up your pastor. It's the robe. Uh, it's the robe. Or the dress, right. as or kids dress. often say the first time they encounter it. Why is pastor wearing a dress? Um, and the, the white dress, it's not a bridal gown, but it is something that covers us. And it's meant as a reminder of baptism. Uh, it comes from the Latin word albus, which means white. That's why an alb is a white robe. Uh, huh. A tonsure is uh, the uh, the monastic shaving of the middle of the head. Uh, some of us have naturally developing tonsures. I was going to say, I forgot, I've got that. Yeah, right. Uh, but monks would actually shave these into their head to show what order they were in as part of their uh, observance and practice. Uh, long gowns uh, are pretty self-explanatory. Um, I guess we put cinctures in there all by ourselves. Sorry about that. A cincture, since we've used the term, is simply the rope belt that cinches together all of the other garments that a pastor wears in the divine service. Uh, but those things that we see, or pews, or hymnals, or uh, organs, or standard churchy-looking buildings, to use another highly technical term, <laughs> uh, is... These things do not make church. It is the lambs who hear the shepherd. And I think that kind of brings us back to that very interesting question that we had before. When Pastor Smith is along the side of the highway, uh, reading scripture, praying and giving a blessing, as a pastor, is that church? Or if someone comes into a pastor's study and says, Pastor, please hear my confession and pronounce forgiveness in order to fulfill God's will... Is that church when a pastor shows up at a bedside and prays with someone like they are one of Jesus' lambs who want to hear the voice of their good shepherd? Is that church when people gather together on a Sunday morning in order to hear scripture read, to pray together, to listen to a sermon, to receive the Lord's Supper? Is that church? And all in all, the answer comes down to... Are these places where the voice of the Good Shepherd is heard? Are these places where people gather as lambs listening to Jesus, their Good Shepherd? If so, then I would suppose that's church. If they're not gathering for the sake of hearing the Good Shepherd's voice, then that would not be church. Okay, I'm, I have a question. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because... My mind, what ha where, where I go then as the next logical step is, okay, well, if all of those things are church, then that means were I to come across this accident and happen and not Pastor Smith, I'm not a pastor. Therefore, I can't do any sort of public proclamation as we talk about in the Augsburg Confession and Article 14 and that kind of stuff where we talk about teaching and preaching and I mean, we already talked about how it's difficult to define what those are to begin with. But if all of this is church, then as a layperson, I'm sitting here like, well, so do I have any role in any of those things other than to simply hear? And does a pastor need to be there at all of those times to be doing all those things? Because, frankly, a lot of what you said just sounds like life to me. And that's just, especially if my life is oriented as a Christian around Christ and his word, well, hopefully I'm immersed in that all the time. And so now I'm in a position of, can I do any of those things or I can't do any of them? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. 
there's a really helpful book for this that 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 evaluates these sorts of things <laughs> and it's written by a guy that's he's got a statue right outside this glass window of the studio right here is this does he it, have like big mutton chops yeah his, his awesome. name is is it creepy is carl ferdinand wilhelm walther Ferdy, for short. Ferdy, really? Yeah, I'm really. No, that's another author that that. Yeah, okay. Moving on. So, so he wrote, you know, this this thesis, and and we've highlighted on the show a a couple times on church and ministry to help us understand this, and and this comes up in the early Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Mm -hmm. uh, where we covered this under the ordination and call and so forth. Uh, I guess that was last week. I did that um, with Pastor Bauer, Um, and uh, you know. You had pastors leaving their calls in Germany and so forth and, and issues of apostolic succession and things like mm-hmm. that, right? You know, you know, so how do we know that we have pastors, you know, and if you're looking for those external things as we talked about, right? Um, and, and, and so anyway, you know, gross, gross simplification in terms of um, the, the first theses under ministry, because it's actually church and ministry. So there's mm. there's theses on the church and, and theses on the ministry. And had I not been late to the show, I would have dug out my <laughs> church and ministry and read this more exactly. Um, but but my main point here is is that he he lays this out and he says when, when you understand the priesthood of all believers, right? So this is the Sean Smith paraphrase version of Walther, which is pretty good, <laughs> I think. Right? So he says when you understand the priesthood of all believers, you need no other call to proclaim God's word than the fact that you are a believer placed there in that time. Right. And so I, I would say it's still church and, and you're in the midst of people who need to hear the shepherd's voice and it has been given to you. You are a part of the priesthood of all believers. Okay. Right? Then the, we, we do also still have this instituted by Christ office of holy ministry that when we have believers gathered together, Right. Then, then they need someone with more instruction in the word, right? More, mm-hmm. more time dedicated to study of the word specifically. So it's very important that our pastors have time to study God's word because they, they are building you up for that work that you have this general calling out in society for, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, this, this is the way that we arrange our structure then, especially in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is that, you know, the congregation makes up the call, right? And so they they are gathered together as believers. And they say, we need one who is learned in the scriptures, who can come and and be God's voice to us to, 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 to give us the teaching so that we can live it out in our everyday lives. And, and so I, I think one of the, the things that really we're, we're dancing around and struggling with here is is that we still want to define church by external means. I was just going to say that, that, that yeah. even the pastor then becomes an external means by which we define church. Absolutely. And that's a problem. And, and what we want to do is we want to be able to look at and say, oh, there's a group of people gathered together, a guy with a collar on and maybe some vestments and things like that, right? And, oh, well, that's church, right? Yeah. Or, or we're looking for a building or we're looking, we're looking for something that we can see. Mm-hmm. When, when we understand the ministry of God's word, it's, it's just so much more inclusive than that, mm-hmm. right? Now, am I saying that, oh, well then everything's church and we don't need these buildings and we don't need, you know, everything. No, again, the, these external things have very important places. They confess a lot, you know, um, any, anything that we do 
Mm-hmm. Anything that we produce says something about what we believe, right? And so we need to have intentional conversations about how we organize ourselves and what we do when we gather together, the things that we wear, how we dress, both as believers and as pastors coming in together, uh, gather around God's holy word and things like that. But but we can do this even in our homes, right? Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever received is if you want to get really serious about prayer in your family, Right. And, 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 you know, devotional study in your family, create a family altar, right? It it focuses our attention, but now that's an external thing, right? Mm -hmm. Does it make it any less that actually quite sadly in my parsonage, I I don't have a family altar, right? (laughs) If I really want one, I can just walk a few steps over and I got the church right there. Um, and, and I can use that, but, but it, you know, again, it's not about the external thing, right? It, it's about gathering around God's holy word. I, I think the problem that we have as humans, and we've said this before, but I just want to be even more explicit about it is <clears throat> the external thing will have a ex- extremely strong tendency to replace Christ himself. Um, and so while we can say a family altar can be helpful it can be it's a very short step to making the family altar the thing while we can say an alb is helpful it can be a very short step to saying the alb is actually the mark of orthodoxy or you know as the roman catholic church did i mean that's what this article is addressing is they actually said these things that these are the mark church tradition comes into yeah. play everything else that we've highlighted the, even with the, all these even errors. the god-given pastoral office can go from being what delivers Jesus to being, uh, as, as it says in the Augsburg Confession Article 4 and 5, it can switch from that to being the foundation for all churchly authority. Mm. And it, too, can become the thing. If anything replaces Jesus, it can become... Well, when something replaces Jesus, it becomes an idol. Yeah. And I wish I could say that a different way because it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> to to speak that directly and to speak that clearly. But if your view of the church is that we need the church to function in a particular way, then the church itself can become an idol. If you are looking to the pastor to do things in a particular way because Jesus can't speak without a pastor, then you may have created an idol. If you are looking for albs and tonsures and other ceremonies, you may have created an idol. If you say that God cannot grow the church except by using this or that means, you may have created an idol. (laughs) Because, as Luther said uh, fairly famously and very helpfully, the heart is an idol factory. And so it is. Because for each and every one of us sinners that is in the church, we want to say, oh, wait, I think we need to think about it this way once. And all of a sudden we recognize, oops, I took something good given by God and I turned it into an idol because my heart's an idol factory. I I put my focus on that thing instead of Christ himself. Exactly. I I think this this is why... The discussions about what what worship is and what church is are so difficult to have. And I will say this from my own personal perspective, because I don't want it pointed out to me if I've placed something in the place of Christ. I don't I don't want my idol 
pointed out to me. And so <clears throat> whether we're having the liturgy versus contemporary worship discussion, either side of that, I, I have been on both sides of that one. I, I will say, I, I say this as somebody who attends a very liturgical church. We we have my pastor has the all. He even has a chasuble that he wears, you know, which is that looks an like additional. It looks like a big poncho that over everything, very colorful and beautiful. Um, and and I have no plans of of changing. I don't want my church to change how it conducts its services. I love everything that it does, and yet at the same time, in the same way, when I attended and was part of a contemporary worship congregation and was on the worship team itself, I I could see how that became an idol because the focus of the service can change to that's the means by which God speaks to us is making sure that the music sounds just right in the right way. Well, I now see I can actually do that exact same thing in the in the liturgy that I'm, my church currently uses, where if it's not done in this exact order with these exact parts, um, with, with the right kinds of hymns and that sort of stuff, it's not going to work. It's not, or if it's not, if it's not right, these discussions are hard because it's very difficult for us to admit that we actually have that problem on both sides because we want to say and everywhere in between and everywhere in between. (laughs) And that's the thing. That's what I said at the beginning of this episode. I said, it's, we, we want to draw clear lines so that we can say you're out and I'm in. Well, that's kind of what ends up happening in those discussions too, except the reality is more often than not, I would be out if I'm defining these properly based on what have I made into an idol. Yeah. See, I, so much I want to say. Here. <laughs> I know. I just and opened I'm up a huge can of worms, and I'm didn't like, I? I really wish I hadn't been late to the show. But yeah. So <laughs> We're I, all together next week, right? So we can actually continue yeah, this. Yeah, we, we could. Um, so so I, I want to say this. The, the main point here that we want to highlight, just, just for the sake of our listeners and mm-hmm. for the, the focus of the show, right? As we're going through this article, right? Uh, Luther is not trying to deal with all of these things that we've kind of brought up. Yeah. Right. I think very important conversation. I'm very glad that we've yep. got it. Right. But he, he's just simply defining what, you know, as I love to say, 90% of our problems in the church could be solved if we just knew our catechisms better. Right. <laughs> if, if we understood the third article of the creed. Right. Yeah. A, a little bit better. This this is what he says. You know, a seven year old knows this. Right. Yeah. You know, th- this is just the foundation of the church. And and when you get that foundation, right, then we can have a lot of other discussions. Mm-hmm. And I think you're dead on target. And we, we tend to make this mistake on, on each side and everywhere in between, right, is that we start with talking about the external things. And in which case, we're no better than the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation and even still today. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we're making the same mistake. Don't don't start with the external things. Let's start with third article of the creed. What is the church? Right. <laughs> what What is it gathered to get calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth? That's what the def, or, uh, explanation of the third article of the creed gives us. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it reflects beautifully here. Right. This is this is why we teach it to our children so that seven year olds can say the church is where God speaks and his people are gathered together to hear it. Right. Centered on the forgiveness of sins, of course, as we've highlighted here as well, the gospel delivered to you, right? And 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 then we can have other intentional conversations that follow after that, mm-hmm. right? About you know how we conduct ourselves when we gather together, right? Uh, what what is what is the best way to to convey that? Yeah, 
right? Um, and, and Pastor L, you mentioned as I was driving up and everything, you know, folks uh, like digging their nails into the the steering wheel and so forth. And that's what I really wanted to highlight, you know, because because <laughs> you know someone could listen to this, right? And and I'm as high church as anyone, you know, called high church. I just call it church because I think it's <laughs> the, the right way to do it. That's right? how you draw the lines. <laughs> yes. Well, no, but I've given thoughtful consideration to these uh-huh. things, right? And I've even changed a little bit in my own time of ministry. Pastor Earl kind of even knows that because he and I were in seminary together, right? Mm-hmm. And he knows, um, you know, places that I've served and, and things that I've been called to do in those places. And, and, and it's different than what I have now, right? Um, but, but as you, it is very important to have thoughtful consideration of these things, mm-hmm. right? And, and and I think that when you have that thoughtful consideration, you'll come to see that I'm right. No, I'm just. <laughs> but uh, well, I didn't see it going that way at all. <laughs> but uh, but 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 in terms of this, right? You know, we we we've got to start here. Otherwise, we're just going to end up in a mess. Well, it's it's like how Luther started the small called articles to begin with in the context of who Absolutely. is Christ. And remembering that this article comes within that context. So the reason all that stuff isn't put in here is because it's like, look, this is in the context of who Christ is and his word. And we've already had the point where we talked about faith coming by hearing that hearing being preaching of God's word, the proclamation of God's word, the word of Christ. And so that's, I think that is helpful because it's very easy to just take this last sentence, this holiness does not come from all the external things, and say, look, therefore we need to throw all these things out because they are nothing. It's like, well, okay, if you're making them everything and making them the point, then there may be a time where you need to get rid of them if you've made them an idol. I say that as somebody who's not going to get rid of them, (laughs) like you said, but... Remember, no, he's saying this in the context of who is Christ. What has he done for you? Like you said, that word of forgiveness, forgiveness in Christ for his sake, because of what he has done, that's what the church hears. That's what these sheep and these lambs are gathering to hear, that word. And if these things around it that surround that word aren't helping to hear that word, well, then we should have that thoughtful discussion of, well, what do we do? Yeah, and, and and to highlight, to put a point on what you were just saying, too, because it's something that we've highlighted for the last several shows on this, uh, especially going back to Article 4 here, Part 3 from the Gospel, it's the centrality of the Word, yeah. to just put it, to, to just put a point on it, right? The, the Word is central. It is Christ's Word to us. Mm-hmm. Um and and so we should let it be central for us and let it guide our understanding and guide our conversations on all of these other things that are connected issues. Um, but whenever we start outside of that, when we start an external means, it, it becomes what we've also highlighted in here. It, it becomes a, a form of enthusiasm, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it, it's it's starting with something that is not God's word, and that's and that's going to lead us into error. Yeah, quite frankly, uh, we only have like thirty seconds left. So, Pastor, will give us some great brilliance uh, to kind of to wrap up our thoughts here. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to fix our eyes on Him, the Author and Perfecter of our faith. He calls us to repent from our sins and believe that the kingdom of God is here at hand. That is what the church does, and that is who the church is. 
Amen to that. Thanks Amen. for starting the show, ending the show. Uh, if you um, have any questions that you'd like to leave for us that we can address the next time we convene for Concord, you can contact us at one 800 You can leave a message there. You can also find us on social media at KFO Radio. You can also email us at KFO at KFO.org and put that to the attention of Concord Matters. That, for today, is our discussion of the church. Thanks for joining us today, and until next time, keep confessing, church.